Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Bob Seska. You really are sick. The Bob Seska Show. Former Nation's Capital, it is Wednesday, May 25, 2022, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 493 of the Biden-Harris administration, 163 days until the 22 midterms. Find me on Instagram at TheBobSeska and on Twitter at BobSeska underscore go. Uh, so a few weeks ago on our show, the great Mary Trump introduced me to Wajahat Ali. I knew who he was from seeing him on cable news and on Twitter, but we never had a chance to connect. But when we finally did, we were completing each other's sentences like an old married couple. Isn't that sweet? Wajahat is the author of the book, Go Back to Where You Came From. Link in the description under this episode at bobseska.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Wajahat Ali. And be sure to check out his podcast, Democracy-ish. So thanks to Mary, Wajahat is here today to talk about the horrifying tragedy in Texas and a whole lot more. Meantime, please help support this podcast by signing up for our bonus content at bobseskashow.com. And if the pandemic was a disaster for your finances, you probably way increased the balances on your credit cards. And if my guess is correct, you're probably paying the top allowable interest rate on that debt. So why not just go ahead and refinance your credit cards into a super low interest rate and save a ton of money every month? Here's how. With Lightstream, you can roll your cards into one low payment at a fixed rate as low as 4.98% APR. With AutoPay and Excellent Credit, you can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000, and there are absolutely no fees. And just for my listeners, you can apply now and get a special interest rate discount to save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Seska. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash C-E-S-C-A. Link in the description. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 4.98% APR to 19.99% APR and include a 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Seska for more information. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping 
dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, let's talk with the great Wajahat Ali. Bob Seska plays more music. So you have, uh, what, three kids, and one of your kids is a stage four liver cancer survivor? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's Nuseba. Nuseba is, you know, knock on wood, about to turn six. And about eight months before the pandemic, right before she was about to turn three, just boom, stage four cancer diagnosis. So it was all over her liver, and there was a spot in her lung. And then it was just really intense, man. It was like for the first three months, we just didn't know she'd make it. And then finally the chemo started helping but then we needed a full liver transplant and you know there was back and forth and all this chaos and at the last second there was an anonymous liver donor and knock on wood she's been uh cancer free for almost three years now oh that's incredible who'd you get to donate a a liver this guy we never met before who happened just to live in dc you know over 500 people applied and even even that was remarkable that 500 people applied but then the uh, george plant georgetown transplant team said we've never seen you know, we've never seen this like high of a supply, but we've also never seen so many people try to not be a good fit. So they were just like overwhelmed and trying their best. And then we, this guy, you know, Sean Zahir, who I'd never met before, mm-hmm. uh, now, you know, no, he's no longer anonymous, obviously, but he's like, oh, and he just stepped up and helped the little girl he had never met. Oh, that's incredible. I mean, being someone who's been uh, somewhat disillusioned and cynical about uh, our fellow Americans over the last uh, four or five years, hearing a story like that, kind of uh, peels away a lot of that disillusionment. Right? Isn't that wild? Yeah, the the pinned video on your Twitter timeline is just absolutely priceless. Do you want to explain uh, what that video is? Yeah, so that video is the day where my daughter, Nuseba, rang the bell. Now, for those of you who don't know anyone who survived cancer or have gone through this, and hopefully none of you have to, you know, ringing the bell means that you do your tests and scans and you're cancer-free. So that day, we were going to go ring the bell, and she had multiple costume changes, but then she decided at the last second to wear the Supergirl costume. <laughs> and and we we called up Sean. We're like, listen, man, we just got the call. We're going to go to the hospital. We know you're busy. And he goes, what a coincidence. I was going to go to work today, but there was a flat tire, so I'm at home. So his wife, Ritha, brought him to the hospital, and she in that video that you see on my pinned tweet is right after she rang the bell, she runs to Sean, and he kind of picks her up in the air. And then uh, oh. I think Ritha, his wife, just edited it to the Eye of the Tiger music. <laughs> yes. It's just classic. Made it perfect. What a, a precious, incredible human moment that was. What has the last day or so been like in your house with three kids? I mean, do your kids know about what happened in Texas? And do you uh, discuss all of that sort of thing with them? 
So, you know, we do discuss everything with them. My kids are ages seven, about to turn six, and a, a, a pandemic baby who's two and a half. Hmm. And when George Floyd's murder happened, we, we we showed them the video. We sat down. We explained to them what's happening. When it comes to coronavirus, they know why they should get vaccines. Yeah. They know why they wear masks. They know why they sanitize their hands. Here are my children, Bob, ages seven, five, and three, hmm. less than three who voluntarily wear masks and sanitize their hands. So, wow. you know, don't tell me that adults can't do this, right? Yeah. You, you know, we explained it to our kids and our my kids just care. They're thoughtful. They're empathetic. Mm-hmm. And also my daughter's immunosuppressed. And so when it comes to school shootings, we haven't discussed this yet because it happened last night. My kids are virtual uh, learning because of my daughter's uh, immunosuppressed status. Yeah. And so my son also to protect my daughter, uh, this sweet kid has also gone to virtual school for the past two years. Um, but, you know, since last night, I was just talking to another parent. Like I just had this knot in my stomach. Like I, I, I couldn't sleep. And then I woke up with a knot in my stomach. And, and I'll tell you something that just happened like an hour ago. Mm-hmm. I went to the coffee shop to get a coffee. A mom comes in with two kids. My first instinct, looking at these two kids, probably ages three or four, was look at these cute kids. My immediate second reaction was, my God, these two kids could possibly survive a school shooting. Yeah. And then I thought, why did I just think this? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, look at this country that I'm in in America. Then my second thought upon looking at these two cute kids who just walked in uh, with their mother to Starbucks is a prayer that they would not be shot up at school. Yeah. And because those kids remind me of the photos of the the kids that I saw last night, right? I'm sure you've seen on Mm -hmm. Twitter uh, the profiles of these 19 children who were killed, just these sweet little kids, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. And immediately I thought of those kids. And then immediately I thought of all the kids. And immediately I thought of my kids. And then I thought, well, my God, thank God my kids are being homeschooled right now through virtual schools because they're safer at home than at school. And the mere thought that I had this, all these thoughts and a string of thoughts made me angry because I'm like, why am I thinking this? This is not a normal thought process for a parent. But in America, well, it's a normal occurrence Mm -hmm. to see a mass shooting. And then you just shrug your shoulders and you say, eh, let's wait for the next one. So you ask me a simple question. But those are where my thoughts are right now. When I was a kid, I survived uh, two house fires. It was pretty traumatic. But the thing I learned uh, looking back on it is that kids are resilient. I mean, kids can handle more than I think we give them credit for. But But Bob, can I say this, though? Should they? Should they have to endure this, right? This is the thing. I think what we say oftentimes is, Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Okay. Mm. And then we pride grit and resilience. But what, what we don't talk about is trauma and pain. Yeah. And also, why are why do they have to be so resilient? Is because we're not taking care of them. You don't have healthcare, be resilient. You don't have a vaccine, be resilient. You don't you can't afford college, be resilient. Yeah. You're gonna have less rights than your parents' generation, be resilient. Uh-huh. Uh, you might be target practice at school, be resilient. I mean, when you and I were growing up, we had fire drills. Yeah. Nowadays, they got shooting drills. Th- this is not normal. Yeah, it's the furthest thing from normal. This should not be occurring. And in the wake of it, we're seeing all the same old uh, tropes trotted out by the Republicans right on mm. schedule. Uh, mental illness. Let's That's arm right. Let's arm teachers and bring in security <laughs> guards because what we really need are children not only getting shot, but caught in crossfire. I think that's a great solution, isn't it? But, and also teachers you know, who are underpaid. Literally, I'm sure you've seen the data that, that yeah. shows over the past 40 years, you know, teachers pay has actually decreased. Mm-hmm. So here 
there are teachers in the United States of America who out of their own money have to buy school supplies for their kids because Republicans are systematically trying to dismantle the public school system because that's what they've been trying to do since Brown versus Board of Education. Now we want our teachers to be armed, right? Not just armed, but then trained to take out terrorists and mass shooters. And this mass shooter, by the way, shot his way through Mm -hmm. security. So it completely nullifies the entire argument that we're hearing for the last 24 hours from Ted Cruz and all the usual suspects that, yeah, let's put armed guards in there, not even realizing or realizing, but assuming that people who follow Ted Cruz or who follow Mitch McConnell or follow Greg Abbott are going to go, yeah, I guess that's a good idea. Let's do let's do that. How about that? Not even yeah. caring what the actual uh, ramifications of that are. Study after study, the the facts on the ground yesterday, just uh, staggering. So, and on top of that, there couldn't be a more glaring representation or example of the old uh, the old Barney Frank line where life begins at conception and ends at birth. For, for the Republicans, because everything right. that happens after birth, well, you're on your own. That, that's incorporating George Carlin now into it. Oh, right? yeah, pre, we care about you pre-womb, but then once you're out, you're effed. You're on your own, right? <laughs> Paraphrasing yeah. Carlin. That was, that was Carlin said that line in the HBO special in 92. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in fact, I was just thinking back to an episode of All in the Family in which Archie oh, Bunker gets deep to cuts do. cuts here, Bob. Yeah, you yeah. Old. yeah. I understand this. <laughs> Where he gets to go on the local... Uh, uh, nightly news and do a commentary on guns and he says oh, i got your solution for all your uh, your skyjackings arm all the passengers <laughs> and at the time it was a joke at archie's expense like how absurd is that arm all the passengers on an airplane to prevent skyjackings but now it's republican policy and donald trump is archie bunker without the likability <laughs> Yeah, and 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 it's sort of and no punchline, and the mm-hmm. punchline is a tragedy. You know, it comes yeah, at our yeah. expense. The you know the thing with this mental health, you know, the, the trope of the mental health with, yes, during yes. Governor Abbott's uh, conference right now. Well, it's mental health. Well, it's so offensive to people with mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Those with anxiety, those with depression, those with OCD. There are millions of people who are suffering and enduring these mental health crises all around the world. How come you don't see those countries with the same number of obscene mass shootings? Right. Well. Because they don't have the same number of guns. In the United States of America, there's 330 million people. We have 390 million guns. We have more guns than people. Mm -hmm. And also, people. look, I have OCD. My father has OCD. It's an anxiety disorder. I'm sorry. Uh, I've never felt compelled to shoot up a school. Yeah. You know? Right. So maybe the problem is guns and the lack of restrictions that we have. The fact that a kid in Texas, a teenager, can, you know, show his... um, gun ID uh, to, to, you know, to vote, but not his student ID. Maybe mm-hmm. the, the fact that you can do open carry now in Texas without a permit or training. Maybe the fact that you can easily get, you can, it's more easy to get guns than there is to get like medication yeah, <laughs> or to get into college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then we talk about, oh, we care about the children. Uh, no, we don't because look what Republicans did. Kill the child tax credit, no COVID relief, no paid parental leave, no subsidized child care, right? Mm-hmm. You know, literally dismantling the public school systems. And also, if it is mental health, let, let's take them at their word, Bob. Suppose you believe it's a mental health issue, okay? All right. Yeah. So mass shootings are happening. 27th mass shooting. This was the 27th mass shooting in 2022. It's still May. What are you doing to confront 
the mental health crisis. What are mm-hmm. your solutions? Right. And that, of course, it's not going to be uh, uh, more health care, more coverage for people for mental health issues. None of that's going to happen. In fact, uh, Better O'Rourke, we're talking about Better O'Rourke here in a second. But he was talking about out in front of that uh, meeting today that he mm. uh, th- that he went in and confronted uh, Greg Abbott and confronted Ted Cruz. And what he said outside was, yeah, Texas is 50th in mental health. So that's uh, something to be discussed. Well, I mean, there's a there's a real problem right now. You've seen with kids. Um, study after study shows that during the pandemic, right, mental health crisis has increased. And, and then also what you've seen, if you care about kids, is the number one cause of death in children is yeah. guns. Right. That just came out in April. Uh, CDC said that guns are the number one killer of children and teenagers in the United States of America. I mean, that should, if a country cared, if a country cared about its kids, it would immediately do something. Yeah, But this is why I just wrote that article for the Daily Beast. I said, I don't think this country cares about this. I think this country hates its children, specifically Republicans. And people say, well, John, that's so, how, how dare you say that? <laughs> and I say, prove me wrong. Yeah. I can judge a person by their actions and their behavior. I'm not God. I don't know your intentions. But I'm seeing a country where the number one cause of death of our children is guns. Mm-hmm. I see the 27th mass shooting. I see 19 kids killed. And this is after Parkland. This is after Sandy Hook. This is after Columbine. We know what ha- needs to be done. 90% of Americans are for background checks, right? And yet Texas in 2021 says, eh, let's have, uh, uh, let's have open carry without training or permits. Five million kids live below the poverty line in the United States, the wealthiest nation in the history of mm-hmm. human civilization. 3.5 million of those five million are homeless. Not a single proposal from any goddamn Republican about nope. what to do about that. But we're going to protect uh, an embryo that's divided once uh, after fertilization. That's, <laughs> no, that's literally way at more fertilization. Important. Yeah, at fertilization. Exactly. Like, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, as, it's, it's madness, man. It's you right. know, I I think it's one of those situations where when I used when I use this terminology for the past five years, a lot lot of our colleagues, the serious sober types who get paid a lot of money to be wrong in DC. <laughs> uh, you know, I said the GOP has transformed into a, a radicalized, weaponized pro-death cult. And I used to break down why I used to say, you know, why I used each adjective. Radicalized, thanks to disinformation mm-hmm. that now uh, makes them believe conspiracy theories that were once fringe uh, from the white supremacist circles, but are now mainstream talking points. Weaponized, thanks to, of course, the proliferation of guns and the rationalization of using violence to protect themselves because they believe they're the true victims in America. In a pro-death cult, I give you their response during COVID, uh, an ongoing pandemic that has yeah. killed one million Americans. And I also give you their response during <laughs> this latest mass shooting, where they'd much rather protect their guns than their kids. So prove to me that the that the GOP and the entire right wing ecosystem, Bob. I think that's what people don't realize. It's not just mm-hmm. the politicians. Yeah, it is the information ecosystem, the donors, the politicians, the grassroots groups, and also the mega churches. It's all part of an incestuous system that is trying to implement minority rule at the majority's expense. And we are like Charlie Brown, <laughs> always falling for Lucy. Hey, like the yeah. majority keeps kneeling to placate the rage and economic anxiety of the minority. And I'm just curious, after this latest mass shooting, the second deadliest school shooting in U.S. history, when is the majority going to say enough? And I don't know. I don't know the answer. Well, you mentioned donors, and I want to talk about that for a second, because 
I think what we often do is we lump everything into, well, there's just wealthy special interests and K Street lobbyists do a lot of uh, uh, greasing of palms and so on. And that becomes this ongoing politics trope. It's like saying, oh, those fat cats on the hill don't know what they're doing and they're stealing us blind with their high taxes and blah, blah, blah. Well, what we're really talking about here are guys like uh, the usual suspect, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, Greg Abbott, all the rest of them. What we need to do is start referring to them as who they are, which are spokesmen for the for-profit retail firearm industry. They are Ronald McDonald for guns. That's their job. They are paid quite handsomely, whether it's dark money, Russian money funneled through the NRA into the back pockets of all these guys. And so naturally, they're going to stick hard on that position. They're not going to change. They're not going to move. They're not going to be convinced on anything, no matter what the argument is, no matter how salient it might be. They're not going to move because it's too lucrative for them. What are they going to do? Walk away from this amazing sponsorship deal, which is exactly what it is. It's amazing they don't collect like some sort of Amazon Associates commission for every gun they sell. And it seems you know, like I, you, yeah. you ever watch NASCAR? You know how the the cars oh, have all yeah. the stickers of yeah, all yeah. the product placement. Yeah. I would love it if just for one day, like magic, all of the elected officials, especially <laughs> the Republicans, were able to walk into Congress in front of the cameras yeah, yeah. and just you just see tattoos of all the corporations that own them. When you look at a situation like. Australia, for example, which yep. famously banned and confiscated semi-automatic firearms and the mass after shootings. After a mass shooting. Yeah, after yeah. a mass they shooting. They said enough is enough. Yeah, exactly. And then suddenly the mass shootings dissipate in Australia. Wow. Amazing Magic. how that works. Yeah, but you're. But the, the problem is that I think the source of frustration that a lot of us are confronting today is that there's really no way that can happen here no. because of that firewall of cash being pumped into 50 of the 100 members of the Senate. Uh, pl- 50 plus, I would say. I, I would say three things, though. First of all, the firewall of cash, right? Yeah. But that's one. So follow the money. Number mm-hmm. two, where is that money going to? Uh, Republican political officials who, thanks to our just unjust, unequal system of government, we have minority rule where there's 50-50 divide in the Senate, but those 50 Republican senators represent 40 million less Americans. So, okay, so now we got the political gridlock. So you got the money, the politics. And the third thing is, which is unique in America, is the obscene gun culture. There is a culture here. Obsessive, obscene gun culture. But Mm -hmm. even the gun culture, right, majority of firearm owners in America are responsible. And if you look at the numbers uh, over the, you know, what the gun owners even agree with, they're like, yeah, let's do background checks. That's 90% of folks. Yeah. You know, maybe under the age of 21, people shouldn't be getting uh, guns. Um, you know what? Uh, maybe we don't need uh, assault rifles. You know what? Maybe we don't need those bump stocks that can convert uh, mm-hmm. a semi-automatic into an automatic, right? So you have the majority of Americans, including gun owners, are like, okay, these are reasonable restrictions, but based on the firewall, and based upon the political culture where now the second amendment is like the, the like part of the 10 commandments to being a Republican, right? It's like maybe commandment seven <laughs> yeah. to like 10. Yeah. It's literally in, that's what people don't realize. It's ingrained into the mindset and the dogma of the culture of mm-hmm. the right wing yeah. where they believe that they have a second amendment right to pretty much any gun they want. And then anytime the majority says, you know what, let's just put some sane restrictions. You're coming after my rights, zero sum game. You're going to mm-hmm. take away my guns. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you got to, like Charlton Heston said, you got to peel it off my dead hands. <laughs> um, and, and what do you do in a country where mm-hmm. a minority is armed to the teeth? 
and is willing to use violence, Bob. Yeah. In fact, I noticed you tweeted about uh, Rep. Randy Fine. I forget what state he's from. I think he's a, a, a state delegate oh, yeah, somewhere. Freak. Yeah, yeah. He did the old uh, come and take my guns thing today, of all days. That's when he chooses to post this tweet. Isn't it's Kind of a threat, too. A threat towards yeah, Biden. exactly. But isn't this part of the problem, though? Elected leaders normalizing the solving of problems at the point of a gun. And one of the things I, I collect online, I, I have a lot of weird collections of political ephemera and one of the things I like to collect are all the videos from Republicans mostly campaign ads where they're taking an AR-15 and they're shooting the tax code or they're shooting a copy of the Affordable Care Act or something like that. So what's the signal? Or there was a recent one in which it was like an Old West shootout and they were literally shooting at Democratic leadership. That was the... That was or the, the target, target sign. Yeah. Remember Marjorie Taylor Greene standing in front of, of the <laughs> yeah. squad with her sunglasses and her gun. Yep. Uh, and then you had Ted Cruz sizzling bacon on his gun. Right. You had the uh, Republican who made his kids and his like wife like pose with guns for a holiday card. Yeah. And, and then this representative that you just mentioned, Representative Randy Fine, is from Florida. This is what he said. I, I found the tweet. I have news for the embarrassment that claims to be our president. Try to take our guns and you'll learn why the Second Amendment was written in the first place. And and this is, you know, what you're mentioning is the culture of violence and intimidation. Mm-hmm. And the majority keeps bending the knee. This is a very deliberate strategy, Bob, by the right wing for us to concede the ground. So they did yeah. this at school boards. The minority comes. It's a small, organized, incestuous, loud minority that comes and intimidates. And then the school board says, F this, man. I, I can't take this. They cede the ground. They take over. Mm-hmm. Health boards, number two. A poll watchers, number three. City council. They try to do this in, in, in the state houses. Remember uh, Governor Whitmer? Yeah. So the rest of us get intimidated by this belligerent threats of violence. We concede. We cede the ground. We give a knee and then we say, okay, okay, maybe if we're just nice to them, maybe if we give them a column in the New York Times, maybe if we give them a contract (laughs) at CNN, maybe if we give them like an olive branch, they'll be nice to us. And the whole time they're like, no, we're going to kill you. Yeah, we want to kill you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, you know, people think I might be hysterical here. Let me just give you one example. If you think if I still haven't convinced you just today, it came out that Donald Trump nodded approvingly when the crowd was chanting to kill Mike Pence on January 6th. Yeah. They tried to kill the whitest, most Christian Republican man on earth. What do you think they're going to do to the rest of us? Yeah, there's an element of, uh, I don't know what you would call it, an appetite for chaos. Uh, that, or that's, I think, intrinsic to Trumpism, more or less, that as long as things are chaotic, we're on top somehow. And I, I assure you, Donald Trump is loving the prospect of appearing at this NRA thing in Texas in a few In Texas of all places. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed that uh, what John Cornyn already backed out of that, which is... Oh, he did. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Abbott, when when I last checked about an hour and a half ago, Abbott says... Uh, I'm, I can't believe he said this. He goes, I wait and see, I'm living day to day. And and I had to retweet him. I said, well, 19 ch- children aren't living, yeah. but that's what he said. So, yeah. so Abbott's probably going to go, man, because right, I right. think Abbott and DeSantis right now are vying to take the mantle of Trumpism from mm-hmm. Trump. Yeah. And if you look at where the Republican Party and the conservative movement are going, specifically in how extreme they're going to be, um, I've written about this. Look at Florida and Texas. And if Abbott, uh, cons- if Abbott does the right thing 
and doesn't go to NRA mm-hmm. to the Republicans, it's, it's it, you know, apologizing is seen as weakness. Yeah, that's what they've taken from Trump. So th- you can't shame shameless people, which is why I think he's going to go. Oh, yeah. You know, the phrase I was trying to think of, it actually comes from that show, uh, The Morning Show. And <laughs> the phrase was chaos is the new cocaine. That I think that applies very mm-hmm. well to the Republican Party uh, these days. But uh, how about Beto O'Rourke today uh, confronting Dan Patrick and Greg Abbott at that uh, conference? It's, that's the kind of guts I think we need in the Democratic Party. And it has, I think, scratched a major itch for a lot of Democrats on Twitter today, especially. The fact that he has taken a bold approach. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there were calls for like an O'Rourke slash McMorrow ticket for twenty. 20- 24 or 28 or something like that, because, um, you know, I think these are the new style Democrats that we're all that we all have an appetite for, aren't they? I mean, exactly it. Right. Like, you know, the old school Democrats who are stiff and terrified and do the backroom deals and shake hands with, you know, other Republicans and drink whiskey and all about bipartisanship. I think what you saw with McMorrow, uh, who uh, is from Massachusetts, and I think what you saw with Elizabeth Warren in response to the leaked draft of Alito's opinion overturning Roe v. Wade, yeah, and I think what yeah. you saw today with Beto O'Rourke is people want fighters. Mm. They want passion. They want authenticity. They want someone willing to shake it up. Even Fetterman, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. What, whatever your opinions about him, why do you th- – I knew he'd crush Lamb. Lamb is like constructed in – a like democratic <laughs> laboratory made by think tank nerds and corporate lobbyists who are all about bipartisanship and look what yeah, happened to yeah, him. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's where you see that anger and that passion being represented by someone who's willing to fight back intelligently. Mm-hmm. So that's what McMorrow did, right? She took on this hateful uh, slander that she's a member of QAnon. She was able to reframe herself and own her whiteness, her Christianity and her being a mom and a woman. And she shamed them. And that type of fire, that's what literally led to her becoming an overnight sensation. And like, you know, a record number of money went to this, you know, this small, no, no, no disrespect to her, but you know, usually people in her position don't get this, these types of donations, mm-hmm. but it, it just shows you the appetite. But Bob, the thing is this, I don't think that appetite is reflected in democratic leadership. Yeah. Schumer and Pelosi aren't made of this stuff. They're just not made for it. No, no, they're not they're made not. for this moment. In fact, I tweeted earlier today that, you know, Schumer, while he might be a nice guy and there was a time for Schumer's style of politics, True. he's he's just too affable. He's He can't successfully sell the outrage. He can't successfully sell the toughness that he needs to have. What we need are wartime leaders at this point. You need a wartime conciliary. Exactly right. Like, <laughs> exactly right. like Hagen is great. Tom Hagen is great. We love him. <laughs> But this is not for you. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you go to Nevada and you take care of the business there. Mm-hmm. And we need wartime conciliaries who yeah. know how to fight. That's why they're not built for this moment. They're not made for it. Yeah. They're these old school Democrats, you know, who chummy, chummy, old, white, usually men, wealthy, who are friends with Mitch McConnell, who hang out with Susan Connell. They're like, oh, but she's nice. Yeah. And meanwhile, Mitch McConnell's bringing a bazooka and they're bringing a pencil. And I, I hate to pick on the Democrats when we should really be targeting the people who have been the roadblock to all of the progress that we've wanted, which are the the Republicans. But Chuck Schumer a few weeks ago was doing the whole ultra MAGA thing. Remember there was about 10 days where ultra MAGA, yeah, ultra the ultra MAGA. And what he was saying was, 
vote for ultra MAGA Republicans, dot, 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 if you want this. But vote for Democrats if you want this other thing. But what he was doing in the process of doing that whole rhetorical trick was saying, vote for ultra MAGA Republicans. So if, yes. you, if you change the channel, just as he's saying that, you're hearing Chuck Schumer telling <laughs> a TV audience to vote for ultra MAGA Republicans. And, you know, the face palms, I, I'm still bruised from the face palming I was yeah, doing man. when I was watching that clip. I they mean, that's, suck. They just suck. Yeah. It's because it's because they. it's a very ins- Look, I'm in Virginia. You know, I've been in the media game for a while. Mm-hmm. I used to work at CNN. I was a on-air contributor for a year. I, I could tell you it's a very incestuous circle, very yeah. incestuous. And, you know, it's the same few people. They listen to the same few talking points with the same few data and the same few research. And they just, it becomes like a, a hive circle, the hive mentality. Yeah. And, and, they, and they rinse and they repeat. And they're also very timid. And so they just sit there and they're terrified, right? Like one thing I respect about Republicans is a strange thing to say is that when they have power, they don't give an F, Bob. Yeah. They'll just do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I'll give you an example. Remember uh, Trump was president? Tax cuts, very unpopular. $1.9 trillion tax cuts for the rich, still very unpopular. You know what the Republicans said? We don't give a shit. We're going to bum rush this. I don't care. Oh, yeah. They literally did it in the middle of the night. They were literally adding stuff in the margins and pen. And when Democrats were whining and complaining, they said, we don't give a shit. And then when they showed them the polls, they said, we don't give a shit. And they just did it. And so these Democrats literally aren't built for this fight. They aren't mm. built for it. And they don't even know how to message. And then the people who are leading the way in messaging, these young women, uh, people like McMorrow, even people like AOC, they hate them because they're young women, they're women of color, and they disrupt the status quo. And I'm like, just learn from them. Just take a yeah. one-day class from AOC on how to use Instagram. All right, if you're only listening to the free portion of the Bob Seska Show on Apple Podcasts and so on, you're only hearing the first hour. There's an extra 20 minutes of show after the end credits roll at the end of every Tuesday and Thursday podcast, and it's all happening on our Patreon page. Of course, I'm talking about the Shadow Docket podcast at patreon.com slash Show or simply bobseskashow.com. It's a completely unfiltered, commercial-free continuation of all the fun and news, and it's only going to cost you pennies per episode. The Shadow Docket drops every Tuesday Tuesday and Thursday after the free shows, and it'll only cost you $5 per month, and you'll be supporting this fully independent podcast. Don't miss out. Again, that's bobsuskashow.com. Bookmark it, send it to all your friends, and we thank you in advance. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska! With regards to the Republicans just not giving a fuck about anything, 
You can see a couple of more recent examples where they voted against the uh, the baby formula thing. What, 192 oh, yeah. of them in the House? Just last week. Voted against the baby formula thing. And then prior to that, they've been routinely voting against aid to Ukraine. So they don't give a shit about the right thing to do COVID in these circumstances, broadly Ukraine speaking. Ukraine aid, yeah. baby formula, yeah. uh, the new domestic terrorism bill, because they know right. it'll expose white supremacists and their base, all voting against it, by the way, which should be a huge, in, in, a, in a perfectly sane country where chaos wasn't cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that Republicans are all about like security and, and, and you know, law and order voting against, yeah. uh, you know, this domestic terrorism bill would be pretty big news. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. But now we don't even talk about it. Yeah, and, and you know, along those lines, I've just I've been really trying to troubleshoot this notion of uh, getting new gun laws through without running into an Alito court uh, a roadblock with the Second mm-hmm. Amendment. And the thing I keep going back to, and obviously this is kind of a long game. But uh, the Republicans had a lot of success state by state passing trap laws to restrict abortion and without necessarily trampling on Roe. They were finding all these creative ways to get around Roe while still making it almost impossible to get an abortion in some states. And so I keep thinking, God, you know what? Maybe that's where it's at for gun control, thinking of ways to make the purchase of firearms less desirable. I mean, for God's sake, we did it with smoking. I mean, just the advertising alone to shame people about smoking cigarettes for several decades has been immensely effective without passing a single piece of legislation along those lines. It's just you, been one ad you know after what, the Nick, next. You, yeah. So, so this is where, why not try it out? But this is where I think, again, two things. The culture. Yeah. America is obsessed with guns mm-hmm. and also with climate change, with income inequality, with the rise of fascism, with the rise of this type of white supremacist violence. You're going to see more and more people buy guns like gun sales skyrocketed last year. Right. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Also, I'll, I'll tell you straight up for your listeners. Actually, same in uh, 2013, 2013 yeah. after Sandy Hook, gun sales went through the roof. It's amazing. It always the graph. They all, yeah. Always go through the roof. Right. Yeah. And so we got 390 million guns. we got 330 million people. And I'm telling you, the conversation that I've had with a lot of my friends who don't own guns, people of color, you, you know what they're saying? I got to get a gun to protect myself from what's happening in this country. Yeah, specifically with the rise of white nationalists. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I'm I'm on the fence, man. I don't own a gun. Mm-hmm. I got three kids. I, I'm in a I'm in a you know Virginia neighborhood, which is diverse. But Virginia went for Yunkin. I was the one who was not surprised, and I told my friends that you guys are ignoring the CRT threat, and they're like, no, 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 McCullough is gonna walk in and get this. I'm like, okay, <laughs> just watch. Wow. And right at the end mm-hmm. of my street is a huge Republican supporter. There's two homes. Uh, I think like the elders and the and the and his kids who are now adults. They own the two homes and the big property. Huge Junkin sign, huge Trump sign. Um, so that's that's Virginia. It's kind of it's not blue. It's purple-ish. Yeah, yeah, purple-ish. And so a lot of my friends in Virginia are like, man, you know, this country where it's going. Uh, usually, this country turns on people of color and the marginalized during, during yeah, crisis. Yeah. Uh, and, and and so I, I'm on the fence, man. For the first time in my life, I'm seriously considering about getting a gun for that reason alone. Yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, I was on another podcast talking about this last week. I I own a, a rifle myself. It happens to be an 1861 Springfield rifled musket from. <laughs> It's a civil so you war. You took the Second Amendment literally. Yeah, I did. I did. I went with the thing that takes an, a minute and a half to load if you're really good at it. Uh, for 
no other reason I have it to uh, to use as like a bludgeoning tool. It's better than a baseball bat. You know what I mean? If there's there's a home intruder, I would use it as a, as basically a use club. Use the butt of the gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that could do some damage. I, I Realistically, I'd never be able to load it in time. Besides, you get one shot and you'd have to reload. It would be terrible. It's a terrible firearm to use for that purpose. But that brings me to the idea that uh, there is this myth that uh, home intrusions can be stopped by people who have, who are, you know, well armed. And uh, regardless of who might be coming into your home, whether it's a, an intruder, a legitimate intruder, or a police officer, or a series of police officers, it always seems like that's a losing proposition. If you're the one with the gun standing off against, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of police officers or against someone who maybe will find your gun and use it against you, or maybe one of your children finding a gun and using it to, you know, kill one of their siblings or something like that, there are all new dangers that go along. Right. with with that we just need concept. less guns yeah. man we need yeah. less guns exactly and at the very least we need less like you know uh, uh ars uh and we need uh just like look it's e- it's 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 wild man it's sometimes easier to to buy a gun than to vote yeah. in this country uh and so yes look I, I think that guns are so integral to american culture we're never gonna get rid of them yeah so what realistically you know we look at what can be done and how you can move the needle and this is where i go back to the numbers where most gun owners are responsible gun owners and therefore universal background checks and increasing the age to 21 and maybe removing those bump stocks and maybe we don't need these weapons of mass destruction. Like maybe if you can like so let's go back to your idea right yeah you know how you made smoking unpopular mm-hmm. i don't think you'll make guns unpopular but i think you can make assault rifles unpopular yeah it's a good idea it seemed like when that anti-smoking campaign began, and I want to say it was someplace during the Clinton administration, maybe in the early days of the Clinton administration, when it really got underway, where you started to see the TV ads and uh, some bits of legislation being passed to raise taxes on tobacco products, et cetera. Uh, those TV ads were immensely effective at a time when, I mean, I was a smoker for 17 years, and I... I've smoked in malls. I smoked on an airplane one time. I seldom smoked in the house, but smoking cigarettes was quite prolific, especially. Oh yeah, man. I mean, I went to college from 89 to 94 and, uh, and we, everyone I knew smoked. Yeah. Yeah. And so these ads started to land when smoking was just part of the American lifestyle. And remember camel, the cool camel. Oh yeah, yeah. Which was more recognizable uh, with some kids than Mickey Mouse, or as recognizable. Children were being directly marketed to. It's sort of like uh, there's a firearm that was being marketed uh, about five years ago called the Cricket, and it was a miniature rifle that was being marketed to children or people of small stature. So, and they and they came in fun colors, and there was a whole commercial with fun music and the child same, shooting same targets. Same thing which they tried to do with vaping. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. So the, the thing, going back to, to smoking real quick, those ads landed at a time when smoking was immensely popular. And mm-hmm. so I think that as a model, it could actually kind of work here, given the fact that uh, on the news people are seeing these massacres, these immense tragedies, and then you couple that with... Seriously, do you really need I mean, it's a hobby. Do you really need it? Do you really need to collect all these guns? I mean, come on. I mean, I, I, I'm not writing these ads myself, but you know what I mean, right? No, I mean, and also, you know, 
I, I think it's going to take a multi-pronged approach. So there has to be a media and communications uh, kind of push to change the narrative around this. I think a tragedy like this and tragedies like this have to cause that moment of outrage and awareness mm-hmm. that mobilizes grassroots groups and support. I think you need elected officials who you know use this rage and run on it and hopefully get elected. Um, and, and I think you also then just need the young people. I think this young generation is going to be sick and tired of it, right? Sometimes the old just has got to go. Yeah, yeah. And I think this young generation that has literally is literally going to survive massacres, right? Like you see how it profoundly changes them. Like they mm-hmm. don't forget. They don't, you know, they're they're traumatized for life. Mm-hmm. I I think it's one of those situations where they're going to be like enough is enough. And and it's one of those situations that the sad part is, Bob, that is it's going to take all of this just to have chaos not be the cocaine. Like this yeah, is yeah. it's absurd that this is the 27th mass shooting. And this is absurd that after Sandy Hook, look, look, in a sane country that loved its kids more than guns, Sandy Hook would have been the the game changer. Mm -hmm. And look what happened. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Exactly. And it was remarkable to observe what was happening in Congress at the time in those uh, several months. Sandy Hook was December of 2012. Subsequent three months, there was one piece of legislation Mm-hmm. On the table. Just one. It was, and ironically enough, it was Joe Manchin, Pat Toomey. They wanted to close the gun show loophole. Something like that. I think it was the gun show loophole. That was the Manchin-Toomey legislation. Naturally, uh, filibustered by the Republicans. Even though it was co-sponsored by a Republican. So... <laughs> As a result of that, nothing got done after nope. Sandy Hook. There was no political will. And as I said before, the only thing that really happened on the Hill regarding Sandy Hook was that I started to see gun giveaways, AR-15 giveaways among elected members of the House of Representatives. It was staggering. There was a, a crazy guy from Texas, strangely enough. His name was... Uh, Oh, shit. I can't remember the guy's name. It was Steve something. He was a nut. He's in prison now, mm. <laughs> appropriately enough. But right out of the shoot, he was like, okay, let's do a fun contest on our website and give away an AR-15 because Jeez. why not? It's like after 9-11 doing a giveaway on your website for box cutters. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, yeah. It's like yeah, this. This I'm sure I'm sure this is the, the, the right. Uh, we, we read the room. <laughs> yeah. But, just, but that but that's you know like that's mm. it's just part and parcel of the culture man like the fact i i knew this country wouldn't change because for me you know sandy hook was like what 10 years ago right more than 10 years ago yeah that was when nothing happened after sandy hook that's when a part of me i don't know if like a part of my soul died but mm. like you know the the part of you that thinks that there's hope for this country to change i'm like that no, nah. no, no. If it's not going to happen, yeah. Because, you, like you mentioned, Australia. And I'm glad that you did. Look, look at Australia and look at New Zealand. There's other European countries. Australia and New Zealand are very good examples of how real leadership and a country's outrage responds to a crisis. Like immediately, they're like, "Nope, we don't care." Boom, reform, change, and then you see the data that shows remarkably. Guess what happened? Reduction in gun violence. Yeah. But but the fact that. Even after Sandy Hook, nothing happened. And then let's let's another one. Another pivotal one was Parkland in Florida. Mm. Remember that? Yeah. Nothing oh, happened. Yeah. yeah. Nothing happened there. And uh, one of the most devastating was uh, Las Vegas. That's where you had a guy with oh, an AR-15. The mass shooter a, just sat there with like stop. a van full of, yeah. uh, you know, weapons and just open fire. Well, let me put it this way. David Hogg, who's a survivor of Parkland. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Yeah. Survivor Parkland tweeted earlier today that he feels, he feels this time it's different. Do you agree with him? 
Oh God, I'm the wrong person to ask. My my answer is no, <laughs> no. I I mean, Wajahat, I. I'm just sitting here going, I was texting with a friend of mine a, a few minutes ago before we started the show. It's like, uh, guys, it's Chinatown. Nothing's going to happen. This is just, <laughs> Forget it's, it, Jake. it's futile. Yeah. Forget it, Jake. <laughs> yeah. I wish I didn't feel that way, but I do. I, I you know, as you said, I, if it didn't happen after Sandy Hook, I don't know what the hell it's going to take for it to happen. Do you think if a Republican elected official's kid dies, would it change? No. No, I, I think yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think that they're just that awful. I think it would be, yes, we have to go after the shooter. And yeah, shooting people is already against the law. So more law enforcement and it's just, it'll be the same old shit. Do you see how Abbott just Chicagoed the the uh, the the shooting? No. What did he say? He, he blamed Chicago. He says, look at Chicago. They have. Oh, strict- God. Yeah. And 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 that isn't stopped, and 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 he just did that like with shamelessly. Yeah, yeah, but basically to say, yeah, it's black people. Look at the black. Look at the black. It's the black people's fault. Yeah, <laughs> the black and, people. And are also, and it. also, those guns in Chicago come mm. from outside of Chicago. By the way, they come from yeah, neighboring yeah, states. Yeah. Well, it's just it, it's really. I think the target, and you're really onto something with this. The target has got to be the gun culture. You can target the gun culture, I think, uh, through ways that don't involve a big court battle over the Second Amendment. Because mm-hmm. I think there are ways using our culture itself as a launching pad for a campaign like that. And I think maybe that's where, maybe to make them less desirable. Like, just for example, going back to the the trap style laws. I'm just thinking like what sells a lot of firearms? Like why do a lot of these guys want to go to Cabela's or whatever and pick up a AR 15? What, what you're driving them to do it. And I think part of it is the fact that they look so cinematic and militaristic. Oh, oh yeah. No, that's this, exactly it. This looks like exactly so, something out of an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie or something like that. Yeah. Let's get one of those. It's like a, the, one of the special agents in a mission impossible movie or something. And I think that's what drives a lot of people to collect those firearms. And then once it's like having a car collection and you collect enough cars, you're going to want to drive those cars. Eventually you collect enough guns. You're going to shoot those guns eventually. So how do you remove that level of aesthetic appeal from the firearms? And I always go back. I know my listeners are probably sick of me saying this all the time. Maybe legislating that all firearms have to be colored pink. (laughs) Maybe that targets the toxic masculinity that drives people to buy all these guns. I don't know. But you're not you're not incorrect about this, you know, and and, <laughs> and, 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 and and because you know people laugh, but the toxic masculinity, the massive insecurity, and the data shows that I'm sorry to say this, but a lot of Trump voters and a lot of the red states, that's where you have the highest number of search engines, right? For like. Uh, you know, uh, infertility and and penis enlargement Mm -hmm. and, you know, all this other stuff, right? A lot of this has to do with, uh, you know, these men trying to be alpha men and these men trying to imitate a fictionalized version of American masculinity that does not exist. Example, John Wayne. Example, Ronald Reagan, the Mm -hmm. cowboy. That's Example, Donald Trump. Look how they make Donald, (laughs) look how Donald Trump is in real life. And look at how the, the the romanticized vision of Trump that they have, right? Oh, yeah. The fraud, apprentice, uh, you know, the art of the deal. It's just all bullshit. It's artifice. And so this concept of the John Wayne character, in real life, John Wayne was a failed surfer who got injured, fell into acting, <laughs> played a cowboy, was not really that religious, kind of a womanizer, right? But John, when, when you hear these guys talk, 
Gary Cooper, yeah. John Wayne. And you're like, uh, Hollywood actors? But in their mindset, it's that tough man who stands his ground and takes his gun and kills the Indians, right? And then that became Chuck Norris, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, right? Mm-hmm. There is something about our culture as it is uh, represented in, in television, in ads, in, in, in movies that I think reinforces this type of image that the real American man is a man who, you know, doesn't take shit from anyone and doesn't cry, doesn't care, is politically incorrect, stands his ground, takes his gun and shoots the bad guy. <laughs> and going back to culture, you know, what you said about, remember, again, let's look the, the camel, the, 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 the camel <laughs> cigarette uh, avatar was like this cool camel in a jacket <laughs> with sunglasses. That's right. And you're like, I remember that camel. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be that cool camel. Uh, and so we underestimate the power of culture, the power of uh, visuals, the mm-hmm. power of narratives. And I do think, though, if there is a kind of a kind of a switch, Bob, in movies and TV shows where maybe guns are reviled or you see like, yeah, if you, if you see like what really happens with guns, where like the hero picks up the gun and instead of like shooting the bad guy, shoots like his kid instead, you know, like just something like to, that. something to strip away the appeal of it. It's almost like that prescription medication that you can get to help you quit smoking, where when you smoke a cigarette, it makes the smoke taste really bad and makes you not want to smoke anymore because it tastes fucking awful. And something saw, like that. It makes the guns feel quick? awful. Yeah, I saw this last week, just a couple of days ago on the show Barry by H- HBO show. Barry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, spoiler alert. There's like these, it just shows you that very quickly that there's these just mom and kid, right. Who are mm-hmm. traumatized because Barry, the hitman in the show had like previously killed their husband. Right. And then they get tipped off that Barry was the killer. So they buy a gun and they're like, we're going to go kill him again. <laughs> suburban mom, suburban kid. They have no idea what they're doing. And so they park outside and they see Barry and they're like, we're going to jump on him and kill him. Right. So the, the, the mom, takes the gun out in the car and guess who she accidentally shoots her son. Yeah, exactly. And I remember I saw that. I'm like, this was really well done. Like stuff like that is actually what would happen in real life. Right? Like Mm. if, if people, if teachers are freaking armed and then there's a mass shooter and then now you're asking the teacher in the panic to take out a gun and be Rambo, what's going to happen realistically? Yep. And, and it happens way more often. Uh, that, that same congressman whose name I couldn't think of, who's in jail now, uh, who was giving away AR-15s, he used to have a bumper sticker that he also gave away. And it said, if fetuses were armed, there'd be fewer abortions. Something along those lines. And all I could think about was all of the stories in which a little kid got his parents' gun and shot his brother or his sister or shot his parent or something like that. So, you know, my reaction to that was, yeah, you know what? These kids already have guns. <laughs> They're already shooting people with them because you're leaving them laying around. You know, and just one last thing about the culture, and then I want to ask you about something else. But um, this nation was born at the point of a gun. The revolution was right. a hot war fought against the British Empire. And in that respect, I think it still circulates in a lot of people's bloodstream. Like, okay, that's how you solve problems. That's how you defeat oppression. And I always mm-hmm. got to remind those people that at the time of the revolution, one of the reasons we fought that revolution was because we had no representation. Mm-hmm. We had no representation in parliament. There was no democracy. 
to work out that problem because there was no representation. And so it had to be fought at the point of a gun. Now we have democracy. There's no reason that we need to be using firearms to, uh, to, to push change or to get what we want or to fight back against something we disagree with. But yet it's still circulating through our bloodstream. The DNA is still in our national right. bloodstream. And it's just about, to me, it's just about uh, starting a, a long view campaign That's right. culturally to kind of start to dissipate that, to start to erase that DNA from our system. You know what I mean? And no, but I, I think you're onto something that, again, I feel like movies, TV shows, yeah. ambassadors, influential individuals, commercials, uh, video games. If they just make a pivot to this, mm-hmm. I think in ten years, coinciding with hopefully a growing consensus of rage, which will coincide, unfortunately, with growing mass shootings, it can pivot the young generation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so agree. Um, I noticed the other day, too, that uh, David Perdue. Sorry, David Perdue. Sorry you, you lost big time in the Go landslide. back to where you came from, David Perdue. <laughs> I was just going to say, he inadvertently quoted the title of your book the other day. Love it. Thank you, David uh, Perdue. <laughs> have you sent Stacey Abrams' assigned copy yet? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, you know, for those of you who don't know, David Perdue, who was running to be governor, uh, his job was to pretty much be Trump's Luca Brasi yep. and promote the big lie. He lost to another piece of crap, Brian Kemp. <laughs> you know, they're all radicals, but this guy is extreme radical. And in the yeah. final days of the campaign, he tells Stacey Abrams, a black woman born and raised in America, to mm-hmm. go back to where she came from yeah. because she was rightfully calling out how Georgia is like ranked dead last in so many different places. Yeah. And you need new leadership. And then she all, he also said that she is... Um, uh, what is a, a shame to her race? Yes, exactly. And, and and this is you know go back to where you came from. The title of my book is also the laziest, oldie but goodie classic used by a racist throughout time. It That's was right. used against yeah. Germans, the Irish, Italian, Japanese Americans, and let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, it was used by Donald Trump against. Wait for it, surprise, surprise, four congresswomen of color when he mm-hmm. said they need to go back to their country. Yeah, And so, yeah, David Perdue lost. And I was thinking about writing an article about this later this week is that, yeah, Perdue's going back to where he came from, but Trumpism is here to stay. <laughs> right. Well, once again, the uh, the book is called Go Back to Where You Came From. I got a link in the description under this episode at bobsuska.com. You can follow Wajahat on Twitter at Wajahat Ali. Link also in the description for that. And you can find his writing at The Daily Beast and his podcast called Democracy-ish. Thank you so much, my friend. I'm, f- I'm glad we finally met up. No, thank you so much. I'm glad it was Mary Trump who finally introduced us, and thank <laughs> yes. you for inviting me. I really enjoyed this. The great Mary Trump. Thanks again, Wajah. We'll talk to you next time. Later. Uh, bye-bye. Could it be the light that I found tonight? Could it be that it comes from inside? <laughs> 